Welcome to Slowpreneur, a podcast about building a business without the busy. I'm your host, Stephanie Pellet, and I'm a coach for thoughtful, values-based entrepreneurs just like you. On this show, we talk about creating a business with intention, heart, and sustainability in mind. Join me as I connect with my friends and clients and share my own reflections on why slow and steady entrepreneurship will always win the race. This week on the show, I'm talking to my friend Sonia Seiler about her journey with burnout and what it's taught her about the need to nurture the person behind the business. Hi, Sonia. Hello, Steph. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> That's great. We're sitting across from one another in your kitchen. It's a lovely vibe. What could be better? Yeah. It's the best. Um, I am so excited. This is the second time I'm interviewing you for a podcast. Number but not two. this podcast. <laughs> it's true. It was, it was your other podcast. Yeah. That was a great episode, though. If anyone wants to go back in the archives, it's one for the ages. It actually was. I remember we recorded that episode, and right after we got off the call you had your final registration for the first time you ever sold out Nurture. And that was a really big moment for both of us. Milestone moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I think we're in kind of the precipice of another milestone moment because we are gearing up to launch registration for the first retreat in many years, literally. Since 2019, because of the pandemic, we had to cancel everything because Nurture is about gathering and clearly... <laughs> can't gather in a lockdown in any sort of meaningful way while eating that's so right. yeah we uh we're excited because it's it's happening this november yeah and as we as you are hearing this episode if you're hearing it the day it comes out registration is opening on thursday thursday the 22nd to the wait list yes and then it will be open to the public afterwards if there are any left to be had yes <laughs> Which the, the way the wait list is shaping up to be, perhaps there won't be. Yeah. Which wink, is a wink. good feeling also. Nudge, nudge. Yeah. Get on the wait list. Yeah, there you go. NurtureRetreats.com slash wait list. This is not a commercial, but it kind of is. Because... I could say it in my commercial voice. Great. <laughs> NurtureRetreats.com slash wait list. Enter now. <laughs> Enter now. <laughs> but the reason I actually wanted to have you on the show regardless of the fact that registration is reopening is because I think that there's sort of like a second story that has to be told alongside the fact that nurture is reopening for the first time in almost three years. Uh, And that's the story of the journey that you've been on as an individual, as a person behind the business. And I think one of my sort of subtitles, one of my options for titles was going to be there's no nurture without nurturing yourself. (laughs) But that wasn't as widely applicable as the one we went with. Uh, But I would love to give you some space to talk about how things have been going over the last couple years, because there hasn't been as much nurturing externally, obviously, as we've discussed, but there also was a real struggle with nurturing internally. That's very, very correct. Very true. Very correct. Um, Yeah, I think that when just before the pandemic hit, we were on a roll, you and I, Nurture, Mm -hmm. the ways in which that you helped me make things more seamless on the back end meant that I could really focus on what I was good at. And it was feeling amazing in the sense that I could really show up at the retreats when they're happening, 
in terms of the food, in terms of showing up as a host for the attendees and the facilitation team. And we were, yeah, we were, it was a bit of a high, you know? And I think that's a, an interesting place to be in your business because you get to sort of see what else might be possible. And there are ideas that we had about how we wanted to make it better and grow it even more. And we we're all prepped to do a retreat. In fact, we had sold a few spots already for the spring of 2020. And then the lockdowns hit and all of the uncertainties hit. And we were not sure about what was going to happen. And then ultimately the decision came down to, well, let's move it to the fall instead, um, fall of 2020. And so we shifted everyone's tickets and all of the admin that comes with that and the, the wildness that comes with that. And then we discovered that in the fall of 2020 was also not going to be <laughs> an option. <laughs> oh, and, and then we had to cancel it. Um, so we postponed it and then we canceled it. And I think as, I mean, everyone had their own experience at the beginning of, of the pandemic. And mine was such that like it, I w everything that I love to do was sort of taken away from me. I love to connect people. I love to feed people. And it really hit me hard. And I think it hit me harder because I had also, a couple of years prior to that, decided to take on a contract at my old day job to work sort of a day job so that I could make uh, some money so that I can eventually buy a farmhouse for nurture, which has always been the dream. Mm -hmm. And is a day job I loved with people that I love to work with. And the reality is that when the pandemic hit, that day job became like a day and night job. <laughs> like there was no stopping. I didn't have time to eat lunch or anything like that. Like it was just chaos. And I felt very, uh, very devoted to the people that I was working with and very unsure about what to do next or where we we're going next because we were all unsure. And so all of us just kind of got together and made sure that what we were working on was still going to work out. And everything was, you know, to use the old hacked word, unprecedented. So we're, we're all rallying. And the problem is, is that while rallying at my day job, I was also dealing with the, I would say like extreme blow of disappointment that I couldn't do the thing that I love, the thing that normally makes me feel better about myself, the, the thing that normally feeds me in so many different ways, which is showing up as what I have sort of dubbed like nurture Sonia, mm -hmm. you know, like that encompasses so many different things, not just a woman who runs a retreat company, but just the woman who uh, feeds herself, uh, nourishes herself with food and those she loves, um, the ways in which I show up for myself and give myself time. I uh, have adopted the term that my sister coined called meevening, mm -hmm. and I really love to spend time alone once a week, sometimes more, but not just alone doing nothing, like alone deliberately spending time with myself and doing things that I love to do or like diving deeper into things that I wanted to explore more. And those types of things, like the things that feed me, I wasn't doing them anymore. I was solely focused on my day job, which was a very stressful environment just by its own nature. And then I had no time left to do anything else and I couldn't really do the things that I was used to doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, I guess I could have cooked for myself, but not when you don't have any time to, not when mm -hmm. you're finishing your job at like 8.30 at night. You, you do not feel like <laughs> cooking yourself a big fancy meal. So I think the grief was really real, and I felt very empty. Yeah. And at the same time, I was also dealing with 
a very unfortunate downstairs neighbor mm. <laughs> who drove me up the wall. That's a story for another podcast. <laughs> but uh, it, needless to say, it was the type of environment where, you know, this person was making experimental didgeridoo music <laughs> at 3 a.m. in the morning in an old house with, you know, the vents that are in the basement come right up into my room and I was being woken up nightly. So my sleep was really poor. This person didn't have a very good interpersonal mm. behavior and also like to keep the house really hot. So like every single element of my, my uh, dysregulation in terms of my nervous system was being pushed. And that lasted for a really long time. And it was very much that sort of 20, all of 2020 and half of 2021 were spent in a state of stress or vigilance, um, waiting for the next directive in terms of what we were going to do as a company to make the next move. And uh, the company I was working for has a lot of, it works a lot internationally. So it's like, not only are we considering Canada's COVID rules, we're also considering international COVID rules, visa requirements, et cetera. And every time the lockdowns happened, you know, you'd be going back and forth, moving people back and forth from all these different com- countries. And that's, that's a stressful scenario. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. And I think that I basically, I did, it, I did nothing nurture related. I didn't post because I didn't know what to say. And then I felt really badly that I didn't know, like, if I'm supposed to be nurture Sonia, the person who knows what to do when things are tough. Well, I didn't know what to do. Things were, got to the place where they were too tough, where I was like, I actually don't really know what to do. <laughs> and then I felt like a bit of a fraud in the sense mm. that like anything that I'm writing either feels forced, like I should write and pretend that everything's okay. But I honestly felt like I had no answers. Right. And then I got sick. And then I got some kind of like an as of yet undiagnosed autoimmune scenario where my body started doing all kinds of weird like physical symptoms and reactions that I couldn't really pinpoint and neither could my doctors and the medical community that I engaged with also unfortunately happened to be people that were inappropriate with me or could give two hoots about my health Mm -hmm. and were uninvested. So um, that whole journey uh, was also really exhausting because if you're like, you don't know what's wrong with you, then you can't do any steps to towards fixing it. And mm-hmm. so when you add sort of that physical dysregulation, as well as the physical pain that I was in and discomfort, there's no nurture there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no nurture there. There's no nurture there. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Speaking it back, I think out loud, kind of all at the same time. And I was there for many, many of the things that you experienced although I didn't know the physical symptoms myself in my own body, I could see you struggling with them. I could see you suffering. And I think it's really so interesting to look back and recognize like, of course you couldn't do anything that you (laughs) wanted to do. Of course you didn't feel like playing music or making meals. It wasn't safe to go and meet up with people and have a coffee the way you love to do. That's one of your favorite things to do in the world. And when we think about all of that, and then I also think about the fact that you really wanted it. This has been constant, this desire to return to nurture. I would say that the flame of nurture has never really gone out in you. It's felt very, very, very strong, but it just hasn't been 
accessible. You couldn't access it because a lot of the tools that you had at your disposal were not there. You couldn't reach them. And I also feel like throughout this journey, we've had a lot of things happen in our culture, in our world, where you also were having revelations about nurture as an entity and realizing that the tools that you had maybe were not sufficient just those tools. Maybe we need new tools. Maybe we need new ways. And I think that that's also been something that I know you have also been exploring through all of this as well. Yes, absolutely. I think, I think that was another part of it too, where, you know, I think a lot of us had many reckonings over the course of the last couple of years, Yes. whether that has to do with the degrees to which we woke up regarding our own internal privileges or what else is happening in the world, global warming issues, our contribution to, you know, any of those areas uh, that we were previously uninformed about. I think that the ways in which I had the ideas like, oh, I can't actually run Nurture the, the way I ran it before without a lot of contemplation, a lot of digestion and uh, imagination and creativity so that it can help support the new world that we need to create <laughs> moving forward because going on as we all have collectively is not sustainable. It's not kind. Um, it's rooted in capitalism, white supremacy, etc. And the degree to which I have had blind spots and still do have blind spots in those areas meant that I really needed to reconsider how things were positioned, like who is showing up at my table, who is not showing up at my table, and why. And I think those those considerations are things that you can't just like, you can't just fix it overnight. You can't just spend like, you know, an afternoon on your website and be like, everyone welcome, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and at least that's that's not the way how I do things. Like I feel like I, I'm, I'm always going to be the person who wants to like sit with something until it lands in a way that feels really authentic and just directed from my own interior self as opposed to like an exterior uh, demand. And the, the reality was I didn't have energy to do that type of contemplation beyond just knowing what the answers were in my heart. I didn't have the time to, you know, completely re redesign my website or overhaul my systems or do any of those types of things until more recently when I've had more energy again. But at the time it was just like, there's no way. And so it, in some ways it's like nurture just became this thing that's like on the back burner kind right. of thing. And it's not even bubbling away. It's just kind of like, you know, simmering, maybe like a, like a tiny little bubble here and there. <laughs> just a little like bloop. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by The Profoundary, a coaching and community program for thoughtful entrepreneurs run by... Stephanie Pellet. If you've been looking for a supportive group of business besties who share your values and really get it, this could be the perfect membership for you because these people are truly amazing. Every month in the program, we have a bunch of different calls. For example, productivity parties to get our work done together, workshops on things like project planning, balance and boundaries, and goal setting. And we often do creative think tanks that offer custom group coaching for members for whatever they might be struggling with. We also have a supportive Slack community with weekly check-ins, a bunch of resources in the library, and a business book club to learn from interesting authors. 
If this sounds like your cup of tea, I'd love for you to come check it out. You can learn more and get your first Productivity Party Pass for free by going to stephaniepellet.com slash profoundry. Would love to see you there. But I want to kind of pause there because I think, you know, the the title of the show being Slowpreneur, we think of that in the way of how we're going to grow the business. But I also really like that you're sort of indicating that you needed to give yourself time and slowness in the decision making around what you wanted to do next and the designing of the new retreat. You know, one thing that people might not know or might not remember is that this new retreat has a completely different team from the retreat that you had planned in spring of 2020. And that's because what we need is very different. One of the things I've always really admired about you, Sonia, since we met, is you have this sort of instinctual understanding, I think, of what people are craving and what they are needing. If people don't know the origin story of nurture, you can go back and listen to that other episode. But a lot of it is directed from your own intuition, the things that you feel that you need in your own life. And you bring that to the world and to the women around you, the people around you. And so in this particular case, I like that you said you didn't have the answers. And I also really respect that you waited until you had more answers or you turned towards people who may have pieces of the answer for this upcoming retreat. So I think it would be kind of interesting to talk about how nurture feels like it's shifted with this new iteration. What are you prioritizing? What are you thinking about differently than you thought about at the last retreat? Sure. I think first though, it's important to mention that, uh, you know, you're talking about this idea that I had taken the time to fully integrate all of the things that I was considering. And it's, I just want to say that it's only been recently that I've been able to frame it that way. Mm -hmm. I think for so long, I was really blaming myself and thinking like, mm. like, um, nurture Sonia doesn't exist anymore. I've lost my magic. You know, mm. I was seeing other people in the pandemic who, yeah, people who perhaps I can be compassionate towards myself had, had more time, like free time on their hands. They right. had either unfortunately lost their jobs or their jobs were a lot more flexible. Um, and so could do things like make a sourdough starter, for example. Like that's such a nurture thing to do. Did I have time to make a sourdough starter during the pandemic? I did not. So I think, I think it's just important to note that it, this wasn't this like intentional thing um, until I was reminded that it was this intentional thing. Mm. I, think, I think that's the key in the sense that it's what I, it's what I teach, it's what I believe that, that even if you look at a recipe, right? And it says like, wait two hours for something to rise. Like, this is that part of the recipe. This is like maybe wait two and a half years for something to rise. <laughs> but it's like the dough or like the ultimate thing that you're baking or making is going to be so much more flavorful because that, that, that rising time is when all the glutens develop. It's when all the flavors develop and it, the end product becomes better and tastier. So that is what is happening with nurture uh, because it is following its own natural path. And I believe in following natural paths for things. But I think when you have, uh, as I do often, like my identity feels wrapped up in this thing that I've created. 
for better or for worse, you know? And I think that the degree to which my identity was wrapped up in it beforehand and then it being taken away from me and then feeling like, ugh, like I haven't, <laughs> right. you know, I have nothing to give, nurture's gone, I have no more magic, it's, it, and I actually believed it was gone. <laughs> so, right. right. as opposed to remembering, you know, my own lesson that it's like, no, actually you've got the like damp dish towel on top of the bowl and mm -hmm. it's taking some time to rise and develop. Mm. It sure does feel like we've had a damp dish towel over, <laughs> over us for the last little while. Am I right? Yeah, I yeah. think I think it's a good point because you did very much rail against it at certain points. I remember weeks where you know you'd you'd be saying, "I really want to make a post on the Instagram," or "I really should restart my newsletter," or you know, "Aren't there ways I could show up for this community in the meantime, even if we can't retreat?" And so there is that element of kind of like wishing it were different and wishing that you could access those parts of yourself again. And yet it also just really wasn't the right time. And it kind of showed you again and again that it wasn't the right time. I think if we go back, there's probably been two or three posts on the nurture Instagram over these past few years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's because the energy and space that you had for it were, were very few and far between. I think you had glimpses like when you catered my retreats, for example, yep. or different little spikes of inspiration that came about. But I, I think the compassion that you're able to have for yourself now um, is is really beautiful because it wasn't always accessible at the time. But now, hopefully for you and for anyone who's listening who has been going through a, a very similar sort of incubation, marination, <laughs> rising, what do you call that, <laughs> lamination um, process, uh, it's, it's necessary. It was actually what was needed or it was all that you could manage actually mm -hmm. in that time. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, you have to lose something to realize that you haven't lost it at all, mm. like in a new way, or it needs to come back to you in a new way. And nurture really did come back to me in a new way. And to, to sort of answer your question, your initial question, now that new way to me, it became very clear. It became very clear that what, what I need right now and what I'm guessing others need just from conversations I've had with people or things I've been reading and, and an intuitive sense is those of us who are creating something, whether it be a business or uh, uh, creative ideas, art, a child, you know, people who are makers in this world of ideas, they have just been steadily doing that or doing something else in the meantime during these last couple of years in order to make ends meet. But that's who we, you know, that's, those are the, we're the makers, we're the makers of the world, uh, the creators. And I think that those people really feel like they, they haven't had, we haven't had a chance to pause. We haven't had a chance to pause and think like, what was that? What just happened here? <laughs> you know, and how did what just happened and all the ways the world has changed and all the way my own personal world has changed, uh, my relationships, where I'm living, what I'm up to, what I'm doing, the ideas that are coming my way or not coming my way. How is that? Like, we just haven't had the time to integrate that or to think about it or to think about it with anything other than anxiety, I think. And uh, prior to a worldwide pandemic, <laughs> it's not like our, our worlds were lacking in anxieties either. I think that's one of the reasons I started Nurture because I really felt like starting a business comes with so many accompanying anxieties. And if you're doing it alone uh, as a solopreneur or a part of a small company, you also have, you know, you're lacking in a community 
and it can bring up all of your own insecurities about yourself or your interpersonal stuff and nurture was always about giving people space and time to look at those things with compassion and with a creative spin like with a creative angle that's what we do in our workshops we learn from other people and their creative talents and and the metaphors that those creative processes include and then we can apply them to our own lives because we're seeing the world in a new way mm-hmm. thanks to the people who are, are facilitating these creative workshops and then that new way allows us to work on whatever it is that we're ruminating on or, or, or worrying about and I think that's the way to learn how to become more self-compassionate I feel like that's the way that you can have more self-esteem and uh, a, a deeper sense of what your intuition is as opposed to like an outside voice and it became very clear to me that that's what we're still continuing to do at Nurture, but deliberately about what we've gone through the last couple of years. So it's not so that this is like, <laughs> deal with your pandemic 101. Like that's not the mm-hmm. name of the workshops. Mm-hmm. But I feel like even just as, as setting that as an intention to say like, hey, I, I have ideas. And I'm saying I as the general, we have ideas about the new world we want to build. We have ideas about uh, what we felt over the last little while. And... I feel like what's lacking is sort of a container, a safe container where you can explore those and get creative with them and a bit messy with them and then see what else comes out Mm -hmm. and see new ways forward because you've listened to other people that inspire you. And yeah, I think that's, that's probably the main thing. It's not new about nurture, but it's just intentional about nurture, uh, even more so I would say. And, and is also the reason that you know, I, I chose a, a fully new team so that we would be in this this different energy. Uh, the the women who are on deck to do the spring 2020 retreat, I'm obsessed with every single one of them, and they'll probably be facilitating at a future nurture. But there was just a very specific energy that I felt that we all need right now, and that's the energy of being with, and the energy of considering things in new light and working with what is already there, as opposed to trying to just plop something new on it, like a mandate. Yeah, I don't feel like this is a retreat to go and like be pampered at, much as you will be pampered. (laughs) 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 Um, But it's not like a self-care retreat, you know, like. (laughs) But it is about self-care on the deepest level, I think. It's about actual self-care. There's something different. It's like, will you get a goodie bag full of like really lovely things for your body and your soul? Yes. But it's, it's not just that. It's like the degree to which we're getting to be together and talking about our experiences and laughing about our experiences and perhaps even crying. There's always, there's always some crying at nurture, even if it's just me because I love it so much. (laughs) Well, I think you said the word grief earlier when you were talking about your own experience, but every time I think about the new vibe of nurture, which, you know, People will have to go to the website and look up our amazing facilitators and the energy that they're going to bring to this retreat. But the feeling that I always get is one of, we have been going full steam ahead, you know, first because we were in survival mode. We were needing to keep the wheels on our lives, our businesses, our lives, our families. And we didn't have time to stop then because we were in emergency mode. Correct. Then when it sort of extended and extended and extended, then we didn't have time to pause from like a nervous system perspective. I guess if I'm sort of putting this into categories in my brain, you know, at first we like just had to action our way through it. 
Second phase was just constantly being disappointed, constantly making plans and having them be dashed, constantly feeling this state of uncertainty. So our bodies and our brains are in this state of nervous system, you know, overload, overload. Yeah. Um, and then you have the, the sort of next chapter where things are a bit more manageable in terms of being able to plan ahead. We're planning a retreat, you mm-hmm. know, right now we are managing to do certain things. And yet it's like when you are going full tilt and then, you know, for let's say your exam season. And then as soon as exams are over, you get sick. I feel like I have been sick in this sort of third phase in certain ways. So much anxiety, insomnia, et cetera, et cetera. Pretty much everyone I know is, right? Because we're finally at a stage where things are starting to to equalize. We're still not 100% there yet, but we're starting to have more equilibrium And now comes the time where we have to sort of pay the piper of that real push that we have been in for so long. And we haven't (laughs) had anything to sort of acknowledge that that's been the case because everything and everyone, including ourselves, have been really trying to get back to normal, even though we profess that we don't want to get back to normal. In many ways we do, right? In our family systems. We want to like catch up on all the weddings we missed and catch up on all the family functions and see all of our friends. Like for some of us, that's only been happening really this summer, right? If we really think about that. And so we now have (laughs) this hangover, essentially hangover that we have never paused to nurse. (laughs) And I think that what I hope... (laughs) Just a little suckle at the nurture teat, if you will. Uh, I wasn't going to go there, but... uh, I did. We have this need, Mm -hmm. specifically, I think, for recognizing the grief of our experiences. You know, you said earlier, I wasn't able to put that label on it until recently. Yeah, because in the moment, how are you able to make meaning of what's happening to you? It's just coming at you at, you know, a hundred miles per hour. So it's this idea of needing to make meaning. It's this idea of needing to make space for the big feelings that we have about what we've lost and what we've grieved. And you're building in a lot that have to do with ritual of recognizing collectively what just happened. Because I think when we do it together, rather than feeling it individually, we always talk about this when we have conversations with our girlfriends And it's always that idea of like, oh, you too? Mm -hmm. Are you also going through that? Mm -hmm. You know, did you also gain weight in the pandemic? Did you also feel completely disconnected from your creativity? Are you having like more fights with your partner lately? (laughs) Like the more conversations you have about this, the more you realize you're not alone. And I think it helps you make meaning. Maybe part of this is recognizing that we can't necessarily make the meaning we need to make by ourselves. We need each other. Absolutely. And I think there's also something that I'm really trying to pay attention to in my own social experiences leading up to the retreat so that I can better help the retreat is the degree to which we're also not used to this type of socializing. And a retreat is such an intimate container, right? Like it's some, it's something where you really get close really quickly. And, uh, but it's also like, oh my gosh, especially if you're coming and you don't know anyone else there, like the degree to which that was scary pre-pandemic, now it's like doubly scary because yeah. we've spent so much time alone, but we haven't spent like evening quality time alone. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we've had isolation, but we haven't had introspection and and um, deep processing about this whole experience in the ways that might be useful right? to create what we want to create. Right. Whatever that might be, 
Um, so yeah, I feel I feel like there there are considerations that I that I'd like to take with respect to making it a comfortable space for people to come mm-hmm. to where they don't feel like they have that discomfort of um, obligatory participation mm-hmm. or um, forced intimacy, that mm-hmm. type of thing, because that that hurts. It does even more damage now than it did before because mm-hmm. of the ways in which we have spent two years mm-hmm. in isolation. Mm-hmm. Two plus years, actually. Two plus yeah. years. Yeah, I think it's such a good point. I notice it in myself, just even my cognitive processing time (laughs) feels slower than it used to be, which could also be getting older. But I think it really has a lot to do with this, uh, this feeling that I've been alone so much. I haven't been socializing. I haven't been needing to fire on all cylinders in group settings. And so I think if you're intentionally infusing the retreat with that kind of energy, the, the feeling that I just get from it, from this upcoming iteration, and again, we really sound like a commercial, but <laughs> <laughs> it both is and isn't, um, is just really being honest. That's the f- sort of overall feeling I have. It's like, we have to be honest with ourselves about how we're actually doing, how we're actually feeling. We have to be honest with each other. We have to be honest about our part that we play in these dysfunctional systems and the part we play in dismantling them. We have to be honest about what's going on. You mentioned climate change in our world and that's real, you know? Mm -hmm. And so not wanting to just move into a retreat experience that feels like escapism, that feels like going outside of your daily life and like, let's just shut out the world. I think that we have both felt so much that we're not interested in that kind of experience because it doesn't actually serve us and it doesn't serve the everyone. World. Yeah. Uh, you said it, you said it exactly right. I feel like the degree to which it matters that we gather, I feel like every single gathering now to me matters more. Mm. And so my desire to be more discerning about which gatherings I attend or don't attend or facilitate or don't facilitate, I feel like, well, you and I cried at the end of Don't Look Up. I cried when you told me the end of Don't Look okay. Up. Okay. I haven't even seen it. You haven't it. even seen it. And okay. I started bawling. All right. So, <laughs> so for those of you who haven't seen the movie, I'm not really ruining it so much by telling you that at the end, you know, the world is going to... This is a spoiler. It is a spoiler, I guess. But, like, the world is basically going to be blown up by a, a, a meteorite of some kind. Oh, my and, God. I'm going to cry again. And <laughs> the people who knew that it was coming and the people who had tried to say that it was coming, et cetera, just eventually... They're just all around a dinner table. And they're sharing, I can't do it without crying either. They're all just sharing a meal. They're sharing a meal and they're laughing and they're joking and they're looking at each other in the eye. Oh God, I can't don't, do it. don't look at me in the eye, Stephanie. <laughs> oh yeah. We're both crying, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're, they're being together. And I think that like the degree to which that's what's really mattering, you know, that, that really matters. That's the one thing that matters, the people that you care about, the people that you can make change with, the people that you can be yourself with, the people you can be honest with and really just show up exactly how you are because you showing up exactly how you are is how you're going to make the biggest contribution to making the world a better place. And we've got a lot to work on (laughs) as a planet, as a, as a collective human race. And I think that you know, it can, it can feel so overwhelming when you look at what's going on in the world in any subject, 
and you're like, how can I make a difference? Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest difference can be made by being in spaces that welcome who we really are. Mm -hmm. Because then we'll get that little message, you know, at the end of the day when we're writing in our journal or when we're sitting down by the lake or when we're passing someone this like family style platter, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I think, and I think that sharing food together is such an equalizer. The table is such an equalizer. People like everyone being welcome at the table makes it so that we can hear other people's voices, taste other flavors. You know, I, I just feel so obviously passionate about it. Mm. Um, and that that is, that is really what it's about. And so I think I don't want to design spaces where we're just sort of like, doing pampering activities and trying to escape what we've all just went through. I want to like sit across the table from someone else and be like, Oh my God, we're actually here. Like Mm -hmm. we're actually sitting at this table allowed to look at each other in the eye and pass each other a platter. Like Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. so meaningful. (laughs) It's so special. This is not an ad. It's a pause. I've decided to build an intentional break into every episode of Slowpreneur because I know I'm throwing a lot of ideas and hopefully inspiration your way. And I wanted to give you a moment to integrate it, to not have to pay attention, to not have to absorb anymore, to just marinate in what we've talked about so far and take a breath before we continue. Now let's get back to the show. I think it's a perfect metaphor that that movie, that end scene, which is literally continues to <laughs> stab us in the heart uh, right now, uh, because they're not looking away from what's going on. Right? They're enjoying their togetherness. They know it's the answer, the only answer, but they're not looking away from what's happening. Right? No. They understand that there are bad things that are happening out there, and I think that's really what we want to do. Yes, it is in some ways an escape. It is in some ways a pampering experience, but that's also kind of the point. I mean, I think your story, and maybe we can kind of come back around to the ways that you've been feeling more lately, but your story does sort of show us and model for us that part of the answer is in resting, is in escaping in some way, is in self-care. It's not just about, you know, let's hunker down and get super serious and only focus on these hard things. We also have to focus on the good things. And I think that's something that you have been building in alongside building in more togetherness, uh, which has been feeding you so much lately. Absolutely. I think the things that I've sort of reprioritized now that I have a little bit more space and time on my hands. So I did quit my job. I'm not saying that that's like, you know, I I know the great resignation exists. Release your job. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that that's the thing to do, but it was right for me. And it was right for me because it, it was an amazing job, but it required like a full bandwidth scenario. So there's nothing left over to give to nurture, which I understand to be the calling of my heart and soul. So I had to make a decision and it's a difficult decision because obviously a steady salaried physician is financially wonderful. (laughs) Let's talk about that actually, because I think that it is very interesting and there is no one size fits all answer. You and I believe that for pretty much everything in life. 
at all times. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think sometimes the advice for people and advice that I have even given, if you feel like the financial strain of your business is so much that it is actually a gift to yourself, to the person running the business and to the business itself to give yourself more of that financial stability. But I think what you sort of realized in your, in your journey is that financial support is not the only kind of support that you need as a human being or as a business owner. You also need bandwidth, energy, time, all of those things. And so it's not as easy as saying this blanket advice of like, go get a job to support your dreams. It has to be the right job at the right time for where you are in your journey. Yes, 100%. I think that in my case, you know, I had said yes, this is obviously pre-pandemic, but I had said yes to this opportunity and it was never meant to be a long-term opportunity. Mm -hmm. It was meant to be for a few, you know, initially a year because it was a mat leave, covering a mat leave contract. And then, you know, I, I was enjoying myself and I was making good money and I realized that this money was going to be directed towards my ultimate dream of a nurture farmhouse. So, growing that down payment capability is a really valid thing to do for my business. And I still had time in the evenings and the weekends and whatnot to run my retreats, put on some dinners, you know, be my nurture Sonia self. But I think that when the pandemic hit and I then ended up devoting, you know, another two and a bit years to this, this position that it became really clear to me that like, it is vital to me to be my nurture Sonia self. It's vital me to have time to be creative, to have time to think and rest and be, uh, spend time with people that I care about, people that inspire me. And when, you know, your position, whatever it may be, doesn't, doesn't give you that space, then, you know, uh, that's, that's what I found was contributing to the ways in which I became burnt out. And when you're burnt out, you can't create things. Like you basically, like, I think it was you staff who told me at a very crucial moment in my burnout journey that like about, you reminded me of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm, mm -hmm. Like maybe I'll give it over to you because you said it way better than I did, but tell me what you told me Mm. at the time. Well, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I can't remember exactly what I told you, but basically if you don't have your basic biological needs met, it becomes very difficult to strive for any kind of other need like yeah like spiritual need or the stuff at the top of the triangle is not accessible to you in the same way as it is if you don't have the stuff at the bottom of the triangle it's not accessible to you in some ways at all yeah so and and then I think that just really clarified it for me in the sense that like oh I'm not I haven't lost my magic I just don't currently have the foundation for my magic to be around right and so um in my case this decision to leave my job meant that yeah I'm going to have a lot more uh, financial creativity that I'm going to need to use <laughs> in order to um, contribute to my household. But I also have way more bandwidth to do what I really love and and the energy now to put into that so that I can eventually, like I just feel like that carries an energy in, in and of itself, which will ultimately lead to some form of success and support, financial support. So uh, because it matters, I just really feel, I really believe it matters. And I feel like that when you're being your fullest self and you're working on something that matters like it's it's sort of like two parts of the trifecta of then you're going to you're going to be able to make a living at least and and if not um really thrive so that that became important to me and and I also have just gotten back to a few more of my ways my old my my old ways but also some new ways like I've integrated like morning reading time that's Mm -hmm. something that I do pretty much every day uh with my partner when when he's around and 
we get up and then the first thing we do together in the morning is we have a coffee and we read mm-hmm. um, for about half an hour, 40 minutes. But it's so meaningful. It's like starts the day off on a really nice note. And then we get to work, that kind of thing. I've also been more active physically lately and got a Fitbit. <laughs> you know, like I have, <laughs> I have, have uh, sort of evidence of the fact that I've moved my body or not. Um, and I think the ways in which I am now also, as I mentioned before, being discerning about which social things I engage in or don't, that's been really helpful to me. And then the biggest one I think is actually telling the truth. Mm. So the degree to which, you know, I feel like I was either hiding some things or withholding some things before about how I'm feeling in any given moment or about, um, yeah, my emotions, like, I think telling the truth really sets you free, you know, yeah. to be cliched about it. But um, the degree to which that has contributed to my mental health is the biggest thing. So it was, a, it was a telling the truth, you know, to my boss, who I care about deeply. But it was telling the truth to say, like, actually, as much as I love you and I love working for this company, I, I need to leave. You know, and thankfully, she really uh, was supportive of that choice. But it was a truth that I had been keeping around for like probably about a year before I acted on it. And then as soon as I acted on it and I started to feel better physically, emotionally, et cetera, there were so many other like even smaller things that I thought about telling the truth about. And it ended up being like, it's almost something you can kind of get addicted to in a way. It's like, <laughs> what else can I tell the truth about? Cause Oh my goodness, it feels so much better. I feel so much lighter saying no to social engagements, especially during these times when like, and this isn't a judgment on anyone. It's like, we're all coming into things awkwardly. Like, you know, I, do I want to go to this I don't know, dinner with friends that I, you know, was friends with before, but don't necessarily, like we haven't talked in two and a half years and we're just kind of going to talk right. and talk surface level stuff. Like I just don't, I just don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Or choosing who to host, you know, you yes. had a re- reputation <laughs> of being nurture Sonia, right? The harvest table dinners. And honestly, it was always a privilege to be gathered around your table. But I also think about the fact that over the past couple of years, the invitation list for that table has dwindled significantly. (laughs) And the reason for that is because not every meal at the nurture table lately has been a nurture meal. And so you want people who are going to stick around. We were talking about this at our, our personal recent retreat. You want people who are going to stick around Because what they're there for is not just the nurture meal. They're there for you in whatever format, whatever (laughs) mode, whatever phase you might be in as Sonia, Sonia Seiler. You don't have to be nurture Sonia all the time. And you don't have to nurture other people when you don't feel capable of doing so. Well, in fact, I can let myself be nurtured by others. I I look at people like yourself and, and, and our other close circle of girlfriends and my partner, Josh, like he... He's someone that I really want to give a shout out to because uh, he's also a good cook. <laughs> he made pretty much all your meals. He made pretty much <laughs> he made pretty much all my meals for the last two and a half years. Right, and that is like really humbling to admit. Like I'm the someone who's like known for my cooking. Right, and with very few exceptions, like he he has prepared our dinners or we've co-prepared them or whatnot. But um, that is something that I don't think my previous self would have really like let happen Mm. do you know what I'm saying like Mm. it it actually required a little bit of or a lot of bit of humility on my part to say like you know I love it when people feed me I always have but I think that it's it's like letting them feed me more than once you know like that that my identity within my romantic relationship Mm. wasn't being 
the nurturer. Mm. Oh, that that was like really really hard. Not to say that I'm not nurturing to my boyfriend, I am, <laughs> but <laughs> but that he is also equally nurturing to right. me. And right. I think in anything that's like reciprocal in that way, or friendships that are so reciprocal, like that's the bottom line standard now. I guess is what I'm saying across the board. And you don't get to that type of high bottom line standard unless you allow yourself time to reflect and or have the opposite experience and be like, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, or you get to a point where you have people lovingly point out to you like, hey, maybe don't let so-and-so take advantage of you anymore. Or maybe you don't need to cook us everything from scratch, Sonia, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) or maybe like don't try and make a big meal when you have worked 10 hour days for a year and a half. Don't do it. Right. So I think, I think that's been, um, a major lesson and one that is, you know, pardon the pun baked into nurture now, because (laughs) I think it's important that we design this business and we design the retreat itself to be a place where, you know, I'm not burning myself out Mm. to run it. You're not burning Mm. yourself out to, to help support me while we're we're putting it on. Mm. Like that is so crucial because otherwise we're hypocrites and we're charging you know, people good, hard-earned, of their hard-earned money to come to something where we're calling it nurture, but instead it's like the burnout, bracket burnout, (laughs) you know? (laughs) That is such a good point because I think we talk about this sometimes. I think you, if I can summarize what you just explained, you sort of realized over the course of the last couple years that your worth and your offering that you can give to your relationships and your people in your life is not dependent on how fancy the meal is that you serve them. You can have incredible connection, incredible moments of togetherness where you're like, Hey, I literally bought this dip at Loblaws five minutes ago. Please bring some pita bread. Let's just cry together in a tent that we made out of tarps. (laughs) (laughs) This actually happened though. We did (laughs) during COVID. We wanted to to see each other and we wanted to be outside because we're both extremely conscientious people. And so we just rigged a tarp when it was raining in the backyard over the entire backyard Mm -hmm. so that we could (laughs) sit with drips happening everywhere around us. Um, Drips and and dips. (laughs) (laughs) My point being that I think you have sort of decoupled your self and your sense of what you have to offer from the food and from the details and from the hosting, because that used to be something that you really put such a prize on, really put such a high, high weight on was come to nurture or come to my table and I will really take care of you. And you did such an amazing job with it. I I think it's beautiful that you offered that to people. And I'm really happy that you've kind of had this aha through being nurtured by Josh, through, you know, us in our friend group showing up for you when you're like, I have nothing to offer whatsoever, literally nothing. Okay. You know, or I've experienced the same thing myself, right? I was supposed to host everyone. And then my dog had diarrhea all over my kitchen floor and we just pivoted because we had to learn how to show up for each other at times when we couldn't even figure out how to go to the grocery store and get enough coffee for the next morning, you know? Um, And so by decoupling yourself from that, I think you've recognized how much more you have to give to people because you can give them your presence. You can give them space of their own to reflect. You can give them, uh, you know, your love. And that doesn't always come in the form of food. And I think that doesn't directly inform because if at Nurture you were killing yourself to prove through the food, through the details, through everything you have to offer that 
that's why people should be there, right? It's it, like, look, we're, we're going to make this, <laughs> we're going to make bhaji onions. Those are amazing. Um, <laughs> but they're going to be very elaborate and it's going to be part of a seven course meal. And it, th- that's how we have to hustle to show it. And Sonia and I used to have this joke about, did you sit down today? <laughs> I used to ask, come into the, into the kitchen and say, Sonia, did you sit down today? And usually the answer would be no. You hadn't sat down even for five minutes to get a minute to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I think hopefully what I'm trying to say is not that nurture is going to be lacking in those details or lacking in the beautiful food, but it's just that the focus is positioned slightly differently, slightly off center. The focus is actually on the people, the togetherness, the love, the care, the sustainability of the experience for both you and the people involved and not based on the superficial details that may not matter as much. No, because I think just as you, you know, I think the title of this podcast, we were discussing it earlier, is like nurturing the person behind the business. And that is what I am doing for anyone who shows up at the retreat. I'm nurturing, you know, many of the people who come have businesses of their own um, or, or jobs in which they are a caregiver. Mm-hmm. And it is all about making sure that like your jobs are all going to be, your businesses are all going to be um, more sustainable and, and more uh, creatively fulfilling if you nurture yourself, right? Because you're the person behind the business. But if I don't do that too, mm-hmm. and if, you know, you as well as being, being uh, so much a part of nurture yourself, like if, if we don't do that for ourselves, then we're making an empty promise mm-hmm. and I don't want to make an empty promise anymore. It's, like we don't have the time to do that. Full stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that that it's it's vital. It's vital to teach by example, mm-hmm. and it's vital also to be transparent about the fact that we're also human. Mm-hmm. And you know, like if I if I could have chosen not to be burnt out for the last little while, I, I definitely would have chosen not to be burnt out, and instead have just been like singing away, making sourdough starters <laughs> and posting about them on my Instagram stories, <laughs> you know, but, but that's not what happened. And I think that it's so important that we just have spaces where people can just tell me your own version of that. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I'd, I'd love to sit with you at the, the nurture harvest table dinner and just talk about it and be mm-hmm. like, so how is that all for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and we're going to see so many similarities in our stories. I think, I think it's such a good point as well. And I think I mentioned this on another episode with Julia, but this question that I love to ask of like, how would your business build your business? So how would nurture build nurture? And I think anyone listening to this could take away that same message of business, the business that you run and the framework that you have, typically there is some medicine in that, that you're offering to someone else that you may not always be taking yourself. And I know that that is true for me. I know it's been true for Sonia. And I think that this lesson is so beautiful as we kind of reintegrate everything we've been learning and make space for what we've been learning. How can we bring that medicine that we offer to others to ourselves? And the thing that I know, because, you know, even with nurture, I am close to it, but it's not my business. I am able to see more clearly that there is space there. There are things we can do. There are things we can shift to make it so that Sonia can sit down (laughs) At the retreat, Sonia can enjoy herself at the retreat, take part in the workshops without having to jump up every five seconds to check on the baji onions. They were delicious though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I, I, 
you know, challenge anyone listening, if you feel like you're moving at this breakneck speed and you don't have space to slow down or you don't have time to do it differently, uh, to maybe consider that if you don't, you may not have a choice, right? I think in your case, your body really made the decision for you in the end. Mm -hmm. You were getting to a point where you literally couldn't perform your daily tasks because of the pain and the symptoms you were experiencing. And so at that point, you know, it's a, it's, you know, a bridge too far. You have to make the choice Mm -hmm. that your body is making for you. Uh, but I think we all have the opportunity to do it a little sooner (laughs) to not let it go that far, not to blame you. You were in a very particular moment in history as were we all, and we all had to make really specific choices to survive. But I really hope that people listening can be inspired by the fact that not only are you building the nurture that the world needs, I think hopefully you're building the nurture that you need to. Yes, a hundred percent. I have to, otherwise... I'm just going to feel out of alignment with myself and Mm -hmm. continue to not feel well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like the body doesn't lie. Energy doesn't lie. I know we've said that so many times, you and I, and, and so energy doesn't lie. I can't show up with a really lovely meal for everyone, a really lovely retreat for everyone, but be an empty shell of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not okay. So it's not how we're doing it. Instead, we're doing doing it it from a place of abundance and joy Mm -hmm. and energy and, rest and integrated long thought through intentional elements that I've had two and a half years to think about. <laughs> so you best believe that the menu will be very delicious because I haven't had a chance. I'm just like itching <laughs> to cook, cook for everybody. Um, and you know, I, the, the feeling has always been one of like, I guess like a nurturing kind of thing, but I'm like, just like a mama hen, mm-hmm. like it's just like a mama hen with my little chickies mm-hmm. that I just want to nourish and and feed and see succeed and mm-hmm. we get to do that again it's an honor it's a privilege and yeah it's a dream yeah i think the word that i'm kind of feeling as we're wrapping up here is this idea of integration this idea that you get to come and be who you are get to be who you've been right <laughs> what you've been going through you can be honest about it you can share about it you can tell people about it and um you can be it you know i think this this idea that I've been exploring lately is how do I just show what I've actually been going through? Why do I feel that it's unprofessional to share it or that I can't show people that I've been struggling? Why? You know, what does that actually protect me from? Uh, it actually probably prevents me from more connection and deeper connection. And so I just really think that this idea of that has always been present at Nurture, that you can come as you are, it has a different layer now, it's deeper rather than just you can come as you are. It's like you can come as you are and that person might be going through some some shit right now. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's totally fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to ask you my questions. Oh, yeah. I forgot about these. Yeah, my slow, slow burn questions. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one, how do you take your coffee? I take it with uh, like f- as full fat cream as you can imagine, but <laughs> half and half's okay. But I really like if I really had the choice, which I do, I guess I would have it with, with like whipping cream, thirty five percent cream. The little yellow guy, the little yellow Nielsen can. Yeah, the yeah. yellow one. It's good. Yeah. What is your favorite place on earth? <sighs> That's a really good question. I would say probably one of my favorite places on earth is Loretto Mary Home, mm-hmm. where we have the retreats. Mm-hmm. There's something about that space. It has been 
the like catalyst and the, the, the seed for so much of my growth. It's how nurture started, like, because of some difficult times that I was going through there, I just think about it and I cry. So that's probably like my <laughs> like number one, like space on, I would say the, the property I grew up on and then like in my lover's arms or my, or my family's arms. Yeah. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. What's the best book you've read lately? Ooh. Okay. Can I, can I give two? Yeah. Okay. So right now I'm not finished yet, but, uh, honey and spice, mm-hmm. which is so good. And, um, the other one, it's less of a book and more of an author, but mini dark. Mm. I just am, am eating up all of her books lately. And, uh, I really liked the, the lost love song mm-hmm. that that's, but that was like my best book of 2021. Mm. <laughs> um, and, uh, and her latest one is really great too, but the lost love song still haunts me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and Julia gave like the same answers. Okay. And what is something you would really like to buy yourself as a gift right now? Ooh, what do I want to buy myself as a gift? A haircut. <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> I haven't cut my hair in like since the pandemic, I think like, or at least since 2020 and it just needs it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For all of you listening, I just got the up and down Stephanie eyebrow raise. I was like, there's no way it's long enough that you haven't cut it in two and a half years. I think you have cut it, but just not for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Once. Once in like 2020 or early 2021. Yeah. 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 Um, So yeah, it just, it's, it's lost its shape. I don't have bangs anymore. I used to have bangs. I thought they were cute. I might want them back again. (laughs) The gift of bangs. Back, back, back again. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's okay. what I want. Great. No physical object that you want to share? I don't think so. Okay. No, I have. I just moved in with my partner and we have way too many physical <laughs> objects. I feel like enough now. <laughs> I don't have any, I don't have any room to add anymore. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for doing this, for sitting down, for being honest about where you're at and where the retreat is at. I, for one, cannot wait for the retreat in November. Let people know how they can follow you or find you. Well, you can go to www.nurtureretreats.com. <laughs> or follow at Nurture Retreats on Instagram. Yes. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Thank you for having me. It's so nice. And it's so nice to do it in person, too. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to you, Slowpreneur. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or reach out and let me know at hello at stephaniepellet.com. I would love to hear from you. As always, you can find show notes for this and all episodes at stephaniepellet.com slash slowpreneur. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.